text of the scripture before us this morning. If you did not get a program, Jim, are there any more? We would put up your hand. We'll put one in your hand so that you can follow along. My text this morning comes from John chapter 20, and I will begin and read verses 11 through 22. Hear the word of the Lord. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me, Where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, And said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So far, then, the reading of God's Word. I wonder if any of you have seen the movie Risen, which came out in February and has been shown in many of the theaters across Long Island for the past several months. It's taken Hollywood by surprise. There were no predictions of its popularity, but Many, many people all across America have seen this movie, and one day we're going to get the license for that film and show it in here. Uh, It's called the movie Risen. And the film stars Joseph Fiennes as a Roman centurion, tough and war-weary, named Clavius. And Clavius is assigned by Pontius Pilate the task of figuring out what has happened to the body of Jesus of Nazareth 
after it seems to have disappeared from the tomb. And so Clavius sets out, as you watch the film, to interview all sorts of people who have been acquainted with this Jesus of Nazareth during his life. And as he explores, he discovers that there is more going on than meets the eye. The claim spreading through Jerusalem is that Jesus is risen, and so Pontius Pilate insists, we must find a body. So Clavius searches, and he does find something, but it's not a corpse. Now, the movie Risen is what we call historical fiction. Historical fiction, based loosely on what the Bible says, but but the characters are not in the Bible. It's historical fiction. Nonetheless, today, I have been able to read to you something that is not historical fiction, but the Holy Spirit-inspired account of the resurrection encounters that Jesus had with Mary Magdalene and his disciples. And so, let me set the scene for you. Some of you may not yet be that acquainted with the end of the Gospel of John, and you don't know these circumstances, but about 36 hours before that, Jesus was hanging on the cross, put to death, a spear thrust into his side, And his body was gently removed from the cross by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and some of the women, including Mary Magdalene. And they took his body with honor to the tomb of Joseph. And the sun was setting and hurrying so as not to violate the Sabbath. They quickly wrapped him in a large shroud and they put some of the spices uh, upon his body. But quickly they moved out and the massive stone was rolled to seal the grave and it was sealed. 36 hours pass and they come back, Mary, and then Peter and John And the tomb is empty, and the stone is rolled away, and they are filled with wonder, and Peter and John return home. But Mary, Mary remains, and we are told she's weeping. Where is the body gone? And Mary, crushed in her spirit with sadness, encounters Jesus. And this is just the first point I want you to know. In her grief, her brokenness, her tears, and her pain, Jesus, as he did so many times in his life, Jesus enters her suffering, and he speaks to her with tenderness and compassion. And you have here a picture of what the New Testament describes as the experience of every true Christian. Jesus does the same with you. She's weeping. Now, I know in this room there are people who don't cry a lot. Some of us cry easily, right? But some of us, it just, it just doesn't happen. We just don't cry all that often. But listen, everybody gets sad, okay? Everybody comes in contact with the loss of a loved one. They experience the threat of death. There are frustrations, confusions, 
things that make us grieve in our hearts, no matter how stoic we may be on the outside. Everyone experiences sadness. Jesus moves toward her with such love, and he asks her questions. (laughs) Did Jesus need to ask her any questions? You know, Jesus should have been doing the end zone dance right now. The touchdown, the winning score, you know, ah, risen from the dead. But Jesus, David Paulison says, Jesus is the greatest counselor, the greatest life coach, the greatest therapist who ever lived. And we see why one more time. Because he comes to her with questions. Mary, why are you crying? He's going to listen to her. He asks another question. Do you think he doesn't know? Whom are you seeking? You know, some of us, we have all the answers, so we don't need to ask you questions or give you permission to tell you what you're going through, and that's the way we fix it type of people are. But not Jesus. He is the one who enters into your suffering. He's the knower of your heart, and he welcomes you to express your grief to him just as he does with Mary. Do you know what it says in Psalm 34, verse 18? It says, the Lord draws near to the brokenhearted. Don't you love that verse? I love that verse. And it is now fulfilled in this moment as the risen Lord comes near to the woman who is weeping. Her heart is crushed and broken. And he does that for you. He did it with the widow of Nain when her husband is dead and now her child has died and Jesus steps into her world. Do you remember that? Mary and Martha have lost their beloved Lazarus and they are weeping and Jesus steps into their world and do you know what he does? Jesus weeps with them. This is the way of the Lord. He draws near to the brokenhearted and he will do that with you. He does it with you. Isaiah, looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, he says, He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. And at the end of the book of Revelation, it says, Revelation 21, verse 4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so he does. This is our Jesus. Let's take this a little deeper. We go into point number two in your outline. I want you to notice something. He speaks her name. And this is extremely significant. Mary. He calls her by name. And he calls you by name. She is looking frantically around. Are you the gardener? Have you taken him? She's, she's beside herself. And, and then Jesus comes, and we are told she doesn't recognize him in this moment. And, and I think there's a couple of spiritual lessons in this point in the encounter for us. The first lesson is sometimes it's hard to recognize Jesus. And we thank you, Aaron, for speaking so frankly about your own faith struggles. 
Because in this church, we don't want people to be plastic in their smiles and superficial and lie about their spiritual condition. We want to be a people who are honest with our questions and with our struggles. North Shore Church, can we be that way? But it is true, sometimes, sometimes people can't see the Lord. And it may just be that their, tears, their eyes are clouded by tears. But it also can be we're just depressed. Or, since this is Long Island, we're just too busy to see Jesus. And I know there are people here whose lives are just too busy because you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the ground running and you've got places to go and people to see and your head hits the pillow late at night, exhausted, and you just rise to do it again. You're too busy to see and to know the Lord. I understand that. But Jesus calls her by name. And this is the second part of that moment because he doesn't leave her sightless. He shows himself to her. And even in God bringing you here today and hearing the children sing and the rest of the people around you singing, God has been manifesting himself to you today. You're not here by accident. And he has spoken your name. He said, Mary. And if you have ears to hear, he has said your name to you as well. John 10, verse 3, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. Are you familiar with that? Remember? Jesus says, I am the shepherd, and I call my sheep by name. He does. It's the fulfillment of Isaiah, once again, in Isaiah 43. Listen to this prophecy. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Wow. And that's what's happening here, fulfilled as Mary stands beside the empty tomb. And that's what's happening with you and me in our personal relationship with him. Because you see, it's personal for Jesus. Don't you love that about him? Religion is not about, oh, I lit a candle here, or I put a quarter in the offering plate there, or I went on a missionary trip there, or I did this. It's about knowing him because he knows you. Are you with me on this? Mary will never forget this moment. And maybe, I hope some of you will never forget this moment. This is a moment for you when God has spoken to your heart. You know he has said your name in heaven. You've heard. You've heard. Maybe, maybe somebody will leave their cell phone on the pew today after church and they'll walk out and, you know, I'll find it on the pew and I'll come out after you. And, and you're out there on the sidewalk and there's a lot of people out there and, and I'll say, hey, and you'll keep walking. But if I say, hey Jim, hey Bill, hey Diane, you'll stop. I think he's speaking to me. You'll turn. And it said Mary turned to him. And I'm asking you today to turn to him. He said your name. That's why you're here. This is no accident. We're so happy 
We're so glad every one of you is here. You see, it is personal for him. And we all need to get to the place where we say, he died for me. It's particular. He died for me. My name was on his heart. My name is on his lips. I hope, I hope you can say that this day. I've been a pastor for a long time. I can tell you that that's when people's lives change. You can go to church. That doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. What makes the change? It's knowing it's personal with him and you. And I want you to know that here today. At North Shore Community Church, our banner statement, to know Christ and make him known, but first to know him. Will you join us? We welcome you to join us to get to know him. And then in the electricity, and this is point three, in the excitement and electricity of this discovery, John records this fascinating interaction that Mary has with Jesus in verses 17 and 18. And there's two parts of this. It appears that Mary tries and probably does embrace him. How do we know this? Well, the English Standard Version translates his words, do not cling to me. Now, this is a better translation, do not cling to me, than the King James Version. I like a lot about the King James Version, but here I don't like their translation because the translation says, I believe, touch me not. And that's just not like Jesus. There's all kinds of speculation that some people have. You know, oh, maybe Jesus rose from the dead, but he was an apparition, a hallucination, or he was somehow untouchable. And that's just not true. How do you know that it's not true? Claire Davis, my old professor in seminary, he says, well, talking about this passage, he says, well, You need to know, Jesus was not a spook. (laughs) How do you know? Well, just a couple verses later with Thomas, he's going to say, Thomas, put your hand in my side and put your fingers in my nail hole. Right here, you see. And he was tactile. He's just a tactile person. Remember, let the children come so that he could bless them. And he goes to a leper, a man whose skin is vile and foul with disease, and he touches him. And there's this sinful woman, and she comes into Simon the Pharisee's house, and you know what he lets her do? To the shock and dismay of Simon the preacher, he lets her wipe his feet with her hair and wash them with her tears. Jesus is very tactile. And so I believe Mary just runs up and embraces him, So why does Jesus say, do not cling to me? And here, John is giving us a clue to something very important, Christian, very important for you and for me to understand. When we talk about the work of Jesus Christ, what he came to do, it's not just that he died. 
Oh, from the cross, he cried out, it is finished. But there he was referring to his act of obedience, that he fulfilled all righteousness on our behalf, and that he had come to die, which is great. But listen, when we speak of the work of Jesus Christ, it is the sum total. The one work he came to do is the sum total of all his works. So, the second person of the Trinity, high in glory, came in the incarnation into the misery and humanity of this world. That we call that Christmas time, his incarnation. And that was great, but that wasn't the end. So he lives a perfect life, fulfills all righteousness, and that was great, but that was not the end. And he becomes a teacher, and he teaches like no man has ever taught before. And his words are profound and life-changing, spirit and life, and that's great, but that's not the end. Then he surrenders himself to die on the cross as a substitute for you and for me to lay down his life, making atonement and payment for our sins, and that's great, but that's not the end. For death cannot hold him, and on the third day, he rises from the dead in triumph. That is his resurrection, and that is great, but that's not the end. He says, no, Mary, for I'm not finished yet. And he ascends into heaven and receives his coronation at the right hand of God the Father, and the angels and archangels and entire company of heaven praise his holy name and say, worthy is the Lamb, and that's great, but that's not the end. For He comes for 2,000 years by his Holy Spirit after Pentecost and he builds his church and his church goes around the world and that's just great, but that's not the end for then he will come again in glory to judge the quick and the dead and all sin will be vanquished and the new heavens and the new earth will rise under his lordship and then he will be done. That's the work of Christ. So Mary... Don't cling to me. Instead, tell them I am ascending. There's a few more steps to go. Are you with me? Do you appreciate that? I hope you appreciate that. That is the work of Jesus Christ for the people of God. (laughs) So he says, Mary, go. Don't cling to me, but go. She doesn't want to lose him again, but it's so fascinating She obeys him. Did you catch that in verse 18? End of verse 17? He says, go, and she goes. And Mary becomes the picture of the missionary church right there. She is given her commission to run with it, and boy, does she run, and they tell us that by that night, they are assembled. They're in the room. They're afraid. They don't understand completely what's going on, but they assemble, and she tells them And then Jesus shows up again. And it says they are glad. Did you catch that? They are glad. God sends you. God sends you with a message of hope for this world. Everybody needs to be loved like Jesus loved on Mary. And everybody needs hope. And you are the one who comforts and encourages your neighbors, your friends, your family members, with the hope of Jesus Christ. Now, you can't stop without seeing what happens as they are gathered. Jesus comes in, and in the end of verse 19, he speaks, and what does he say? He says, peace be with you. And he doesn't just say it once, does he? He says it twice, peace be with you. 
Shalom. Have you ever heard that word? Shalom, the great Hebrew word of peace. And I have to tell you, in my own life, there are those times when I mess up, when I hurt other people, when I sin, I do what's wrong. There are times when I get confused. There are times when I'm not sure how to interpret the circumstances around me and my heart gets cold and my eyes again are filled with tears. What do I need? I need this verse and I need it twice. John, peace be with you. I need Jesus' voice by his Holy Spirit to say peace again. It's okay, John. Philippians speaks about the peace of God that passes all understanding that guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So Jesus comes to his disciples that very day, and he says, peace. Back to the movie Risen. I won't spoil the whole movie for you, but there is this scene that is unlike any scene I have witnessed in the movie theater. For Clavius is the modern man, and he says there must be some explanation for these things. But he's doing the interviews, and he's on the hunt, and he discovers where these disciples are hiding. And finally, he rushes to the place, to that room where they are waiting and where they are hiding, and he kicks in the door, and it slams open, and he rushes in, and there are the disciples, and in the middle is the face that he saw hanging on the cross. I'm sitting in the theater when that, when that happens, and everybody is silent and riveted to the screen. And I shouted out, Oi! <laughs> what a moment! And Jesus, risen, greets his brothers and sisters around him and Clavius. And some of you are modern people. There must be some explanation for these things. And I summon you to consider and reconsider. Clavius' life was changed forever in this historical fiction, but you are not fiction. You are very real. You are very real. And the voice of Jesus speaks to you and to me. And this is a wonderful day. For you to say, Lord Jesus, yeah, I'm that sad person. I've got more tears clouding my eyes than the people sitting around me know. Or maybe you're just distant. No one could love me, but Jesus loves you. And he moves toward you. Maybe you're here and you say, nobody in this room knows my name. He knows your name. He remembers. We sing a song. He knows my name. He hears each time I call. And he sees me when I fall. He's with you. He knows. He's the knower of hearts. Today, Erin Dunlap stood before you. And she said, In the midst of my suffering, I have found him to be faithful. And it is my prayer that today, you will find him to be faithful. Let us pray.